so I waltz into her apartment um, and I'm like, hi, how's everyone doing? And then I'm like, someone asked me dramatic. how I'm doing. Right. No, it was like, someone asked me how I'm doing. And, um, and then I was like, I'm doing terrible. And Emily goes, oh, why? And she, I'm like, uh, because I'm in crisis. And she said, what, why, why are you in crisis? And I said, well, actually you're about to be. Um, and that's, that's when we figured out that I think that we mistyped me. All right, guys, welcome back to Not My Type. This is Jack. This is Malia. And today we are recording for the first time in separate locations, unfortunately, but we're still going to keep going. Things have changed, um, but we're glad to be here. Um, Shout out to Zoom. Sponsor us. (laughs) Sponsored by Zoom. Uh, Today we are talking about um, kind of a really hot button topic in the Enneagram world. We're also sharing some personal information. Um, <laughs> sharing or exposing? <laughs> exposing. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Um, so where do, where do you want to start? What do you want to yeah. talk about first? Okay. So basically, um, we have all been deeply betrayed by, by the Enneagram uh, <laughs> culture and conversation. Um, and I guess we should start by the crux of the situation, you think? Okay, so what we're talking about today is the issue of countertype. And for any of you who don't know, there's this theory of subtype that is created by the combination of dominant instinct, which is either social, sexual, or self-preservation, um, merging with a dominant neurosis. So for example, there is a social eight, but there's also a self-preservation three. There's all sorts of different mm-hmm. types. So that theory has created three iterations of each core type. Um, And that, again, is neurosis plus instinct. There's this theory called countertype, which is really, uh, how do I put it? It's contested in the Enneagram world. And it's something I have not wanted to mention on this podcast thus far because we didn't really know. I I personally, I mean, I, I do a lot of research just even now as we're teaching and explaining and just like, I mean, like the point is we're not experts necessarily. We're just people who are sharing what we know and- I am someone who's really interested in it and I wrote Malia in, but um, anyways, I've just been doing research on countertype and the more I did research, um, the more I, I realized something pretty tragic. Um, so, so where do, where do I put this? This is like a month I think ago. You should, yeah, no, I think you should tell the story. Yeah. Okay. So a month, a month ago, ago, I eventually came to the realization. Um, no, 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 no. He no, that, waltzes. No, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I realized that, that I had to tell Malia that there was no such thing as countertype, mm. which you will see momentarily is problematic. But so I waltz into her apartment um, and I'm like, hi, how's everyone doing? And then I'm like, someone asked me dramatic. how I'm doing. Right. No, it was like, someone asked me how I'm doing. And, um, and then I was like, I'm doing terrible. And Malia goes, oh, why? And she, I'm like, uh, because I'm in crisis. And she said, what, why, why are you in crisis? And I said, well, actually you're about to be. Um, and that's, that's when we figured out that I think that we mistyped me. And now yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, we were just led astray by the theory of countertype. So I will, I will say this much. Um, the theory of countertype that is like popularized by Beatrice Chestnut 
is pretty well known. People know a lot about it. Um, but the more research I did on it, because I wasn't really, really sure where to stand. And since we have this podcast, it's sort of like, you should probably know where you stand on things. I mean, I, like, to be fair, we're still students, we're still learning. And it's not like we have to have all the answers, but it's kind of like a topic that we should talk about that's helpful to talk about. Um, and I will, I will say this, Beatrice Chestnut's description of the self-preservation two in her book, The Complete Enneagram is a dead ringer description of Malia. Um, do you have that description? Yeah, I do. One second. Okay, perfect. Okay. Um, here's what Beatrice Chestnut on her website, BeatriceChestnut.com, says about the self-preservation two. Self-preservation twos seek to gain approval through being charming and youthful, less oriented to giving and more burdened by helping. They charm others into liking them as an unconscious effort to get people to take care of them. More self-indulgent, playful, and irresponsible than the other twos. They're more fearful and ambivalent about connecting with others. So um, basically this countertype thought, uh, at least in my understanding, is talking about how neurotic patterns are basically in line with the system of the Enneagram, except for one of the instincts. If it's dominant, then it like counters the, the neurosis, which yeah. so, doesn't so really like, make any sense. She describes it as being upside down. That's what she says. Beatrice Chestnut herself right. says that, for example, the social and sexual twos would be sort of right side up, uh, but the self-preservation instinct, because it's about getting your own needs met, um, it, it really- And this is for the in, two specifically. Yeah, it, it would argue that because self-preservation is about getting your needs met the, and the second neurosis is about denying your own needs, um, the self-preservation two is then like behaviorally opposite of other twos. Um, the problem is this creates a lot of confusion um, because Beatrice Chestnut herself claims to be a self-preservation two. Hmm. And so she kind of formed this theory that Claudio Naranjo, he was this teacher that she followed closely. Um, he just like threw out the idea once like, oh, this might be a thing. And Beatrice was like, this is my life. Like, this is my whole essence. <laughs> Beatrice so she said wrote, me. <laughs> she wrote this whole book around the self-preservation too. Um, but you can Really? Just, it's you all want... about the self-pres too? No, no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not, not about self-pres too. It's about okay, all- Okay, I was of, like, wow. It's about all the subtypes. So she goes yeah, into okay. all 27 subtypes. Um, the problem with this is um, some of the descriptions are simply wrong and don't make any sense. And I think that there are current, I'll say this again, because we're gonna do a lot of bashing of poor Beatrice here. Like she, there's, there's a kernel of truth in what she's trying to express, which is that mm -hmm. instinctual differences manifest behaviorally differently in different neuroses. Right. However, I will say she has created a system that makes things pretty extreme because the, the, the idea of it being upside down, of the countertype being upside down, means that it has to seem behaviorally opposite pretty much of the other two subtypes. And that does not work and it's not real. Um, Can you give a few examples of like clear evidence of this being wrong? Like uh, you talk about the four sometimes. Like yes, talk about the great. countertype four. Okay, so she, she claims that the self-preservation four is called the sunny four. Uh, mm -hmm. which means that the the sin of envy manifests in like a cheerful way. And these fours are like focused on trying to uh, like grin and bear it and keep their emotions to themselves. Actually, let me just find what she writes about this because here she says, self-preservation fours are stoic, strong, and long-suffering. Emotionally sensitive, sensitive on the inside, they don't often communicate their darker feelings to others. While they feel things deeply and may feel sad inside, they often have a sunny, upbeat exterior. 
as they receive the message early on that their caretakers couldn't handle their pain or darker emotions. They may feel anxious inside, but they tough things out and have a high tolerance for frustration. Um, so there might be some truth to that. There might be a kernel of truth in that. The problem is when you create a narrative that says, this is how this type displays, anyone else who relates to those traits is like, oh, I'm a self-preservation for, and right. I, and, and this is basically the point is, of course, people can mistype. That happens all the time. But her book actually just enables mistyping uh, because she goes on to say, like the self press four might be mistyped as a three because they work hard and they're stoic. Or they might be mistyped as a one because they're like quiet and sort of restrained. But yeah, basically just there's there's so many ways that these descriptions for countertypes say, oh, you might be mistyped as this type or this type or this type. And the point is, if you can mistype as every single type, that isn't a, an accurate description. Like that's just- or It's not it's, helpful. Like it's not, it's helpful, not helpful to people who are trying to learn and saying like, oh, what could I be? You know, this description fits me. So I'm going to ascribe to every other title that you've put along with the, the, the description. Like maybe the description is accurate, but that doesn't mean that it automatically makes you a self-prez four. Yeah, I think I think the sunny four, first of all, is a ridiculous concept because let's even just talk about the nature of the fourth neurosis. Like it's built on the idea of disgust. Like I don't belong, so the whole world dis dissatisfies me. So I then have to push away from it and push inward. Um, there's no reason to present a sunny image there, no matter what your instinctual stacking is. There's no reason to do that. And it doesn't make sense um, because that would be inauthentic, you know, like f falsifying this, this sunny image would be inherently opposed to the image that the four is trying to present. You get what I'm saying? Like it just yeah. wouldn't work. Um, and that goes on. Like, I think that there are, again, I'll say there are kernels of truth in what she's trying to describe, but overall I would say her theory of subtype is ridiculous and it doesn't actually, um, it doesn't work. Let's rewind to three years ago when I met Malia and I will say this, I would never have typed her as a self-pres too, but not long after I met her, like when we first became friends, I learned about the theory of countertype, did a lot of research. And then I read that description. I was like, that's Malia to a T. And I brought it up to her and she was like, oh, it is. And we had this long conversation. And then um, again, letting the description that felt right, lead me to believe that the titles were correct. Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. Just the more I thought about the actual structure of type and like, like each neurosis is going to, at the, like you can get down to the nitty gritty of it, you know, like the two is inherently different than the three, like three will always be an attachment type two will always be a rejection type. And so th there is so much structure to type. Um, and that doesn't mean people are like one dimensional, but what it means is that like, if you're trusting a description more than you're trusting the actual theory the system of, like, of it, of the, the system of the Enneagram. Yeah. Then there's, there's probably an issue with how you're understanding it. And, and I will say, firsthand, that is what I fell for, you know, like I never would have typed Malia as a two in a million years had I not read that description. But what I did was read Beatrice Chestnut's little description of the self-press two. And I was like, that's it. And then we just kind of like rolled with it. But the more we've been doing this podcast, the more we've talked about the Enneagram in our normal lives. And, and we've even had other. like five episodes about the mistyping or whatever. <laughs> We're sitting here being like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, I honestly think that's what did it. Like, I think that's yeah. why we had this conversation to begin with because we had recorded those episodes and we were in the process of recording them. And I felt like something was off. Like I was just trying to think about it. And I was like, this doesn't, the more I think about mistyping, the more aware I'm becoming of like the difference between type and the essential qualities. Like that last episode, so in the last episode, we talked about like the essential qualities of type um, and how you might be mistyping. Like at this point, we knew Malia wasn't a two. And I think that was like prepping that episode and thinking about those essential qualities of each type and like what can't be compromised. 
made me realize like there's no way. Um, I, I think just to put it simply, Malia, you can comment on this however you want. Um, but I wouldn't say Malia is image focused. I wouldn't say she's concerned with presenting an image of helpfulness. I would say she can be a selfless, helpful person for sure. Um, but I wouldn't say that, that she's an image type. And you can sense that with image types. The heart types are concerned about being validated in the way they handle things. Um, and I just didn't see that at all. And, and I also want to say, I think like a big part of two is keeping up this idea of being a giver, no matter what, like I must be the one who martyrs myself and thus I can't take, it threatens my ego and threatens the image that I presented. Um, and y'all don't live with Malia on a regular basis, <laughs> but I can tell you, she doesn't struggle to to take opportunities for free things <laughs> um, for just, there's just a chance to be like able to receive something and Malia's all over it. I mean, she's all excited about it. I, I am, I'm a sucker for those coupons and those free tables of stuff at random places, like stickers that I'll never put anywhere. I'm I'll take four, you know, <laughs> I'll take four of them. No one does free stuff like Malia. An another thing we, we definitely noticed was um, a lack of, desiring obligation on my part like I think obligation for the two uh kind of feels necessary to their identity they're like I'm focused on what I should be doing compared to other people and I don't often feel like that I often feel kind of claustrophobic with obligation well it's not um, even just obligation but it's like relational obligation you know like this person mm -hmm. needs me I think that's a big thing right yeah like, yeah like the two loves that the two loves the idea of being needed and, and I think I like being wanted and maybe even needed by some, but I think that's what, what, where I really came down to it was like, just because some aspects of the description fit doesn't mean that the overall neurosis was creating a pattern of my life. And I think that's kind of where we narrowed it down to. It's like, maybe I am in certain situations uh, wanting to be helpful, wanting to be needed uh, to certain people. But if you look at the overall cycle of my life, it's not a pattern of what ought I to be doing relationally. You know, what do and these then, people need from me? So, so let's actually let's actually pause and say. Um, so we've talked a lot about how I'm not a two, but I think it's time to actually reveal what I am to make this conversation more robust and maybe more helpful for all of you out there. Um, but I am actually, and this has taken me a long time to come to terms with, but I am a seven. Uh, <laughs> and it took like weeks of talking through of like what that was, what, what, what was the difference between the seven and the two, even though we had like multiple mistyping episodes, but really breaking down again, talking about the cycle of my life, you know, what was the overall cycle of the seventh neurosis versus the second one? And everything, I think, honestly, just like as someone who loves Malia so deeply, like what the girl needs, it like what she desperately needs isn't to be like, I need to be aware of my own needs and like, and be honest and forthcoming and like also not build resentment and like recognize the difference between helpful giving and like resentful giving. Like, not that that never is there, but the general theme of Malia's life is like um, just constant stimulation. There's just more and more and more and more, more. And that's what I said to her. Like when I was trying to, like, we had a conversation when I stormed in and was like crisis. And when he was like, what? I just kind of tried to argue, like, look at this. Of course, this description can fit you. But mm -hmm. the problem is like, it doesn't actually, it, it's not thematic in your life. It's not thematic. Yeah. 
And the big thing is like when people get needy, Malia runs away. That has been evident over and over and over. It's just this irritation with it. And this like, uh, how dare you think you have a right to me? And um, I think that's actually just like something we noticed is that just like in life, I would watch Malia get bothered by two-ish behavior. And I would always be empathizing with those people thinking like, yeah, that's annoying, but like, I can see why they did it. And Malia would be like, well, I can't, like they shouldn't be doing it. And I, and I think that's part of it is that there was like, the two of us are so similar in a lot of ways. We're really and that so was similar. also really difficult to, to handle. Like, how can we be so similar and yet be so different in this core neurotic cycle? And I, I also just want to quickly bring up a realization or, that I was thinking through as I was trying to wrestle with like, well, what, what does it look like if I really am a seven? Like, how does that change my life? How does that change my thought process about the Enneagram and and how do I reconcile with the things that that I feel like have been really exposing and telling of the second neurosis in my life? Like, are those suddenly not no longer true? Um, and I think my disclaimer for everyone is that we have all of these patterns in our lives to some degree. Um, and we're going to talk about a theory in a, um, either the next episode or a couple in, down the line that really explains more so of like how people can hold uh, different core types. Like humans are very complex and our struggles are very complex. And it's not just that you just struggle with the seven, the seventh neurosis or the second or, you know, gluttony or lust or whatever. Like we have lots of different struggles. And so I think it's not about what you don't see in your life necessarily or what you do, but it's like, what is running your life? And that is where I came to, it's like the seventh neurosis is running my life. The idea that I will not be taken care of. I need to go figure it out for myself. That is what runs the show. And sometimes I use the second neurosis to run that show. Like I use um, help helping people and, and um, connecting with others to feed my gluttony in a way, but it's not what is being fed. You know, that's not the cycle that's leading everything. That's not the pattern that I can see over the course of my life. And I think even more like, just like in a simple down to earth anecdotal sense, like the twos that we know and love and even just my own life patterns as a two, like the things that get twos worked up is this feeling of unrequited love. That's really what it is. It's like, I've given, 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 this person isn't giving back. And I had these expectations and now I'm pissed, you know? And Malia never has that problem. And I brought that up to her. I was like, have you noticed, like, when am I getting upset? When am I getting upset? When are people X, Y, and Z who are also twos getting upset? It's like, that is not the same thing that upsets you at all. And Malia honestly has always respected when other people like flake on her or disappoint her. It's kind of like, great, you're giving me leeway to do the same thing to you. So like, what I, what I do want to say is just like Malia was saying, like, finding your core type does matter. I do think it matters. I also want to say like, don't get led astray just by a description. Like, just because like, yeah. To be completely frank, I was certainly I was a seven when I first met her. And that doesn't mean like, oh, I was right, whatever. Like clearly I was duped. But the point is like, I only, I convinced her that I thought she might be the self-pressed too because I instantly trusted this information. And so mm-hmm. I'm saying like, we have a lot of stuff to share. I think a lot of it's really good on this podcast. I'll be honest about that. But for anyone who's listening, like make sure you're doing your research. Like if you actually want to learn about the Enneagram and, and see it applied in your life in a helpful way, in a loving way, whatever, 
like make sure we're not your only source of input, you know, and because definitely make sure Beatrice is not, <laughs> she better not be. <laughs> um, she has a podcast and it's pretty boring. Sorry, Beatrice, if you're listening, it's just so dull. So if you want to listen to her stuff, go for it. Maybe you'll trust her more than you trust us. And maybe that's worthwhile for you. I don't know. What I will say is that I think there are really a lot of holes in her theory. And I think it, I think it, it was rattling for Malia to discover that like she was mistyped. Oh was yeah. Rattling. Oh, and for sure. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe it shouldn't be, I don't know, but I, I do want to say like, recognize the fact that like, I think it's, it's helpful to learn your core type, but don't try and fit yourself into a narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like you can find a way to logic your way into any one of these types pretty much, you know? Oh, that is so good. That's actually so good. Yeah. But um, yeah, just like Malia was saying, I would, I would say that the truth of it is like, look for the trend that is actually like a real problem and think about the essential qualities of type, you know, like, I have a lot of seven-ish problems in my life. That doesn't mean the seventh neurosis isn't there and that I shouldn't be working on it, you know, working on like mm-hmm. amending it because there's plenty of lack of self-control and just like this free-form gluttony that is a problem in my life for sure. But it's not the the overall trend. I don't, I mean, I don't think I could be wrong. We'll never know. Like <laughs> maybe I'll yeah. find out someday. But like, I genuinely don't think that that's the pattern in my life. And it took me a long time to realize that because when I first learned the Enneagram, I thought it was seven. And I think that speaks to the crux of the Enneagram sometimes, at least that I was realizing is like for so long, I mean, for two years, at least I've been kind of, I've been convinced I'm like, oh, I'm a self-pressed two that makes me different or whatever. And, but at least I'm still like the two and I could see the second neurosis in my life. And it was a problem that I could be working on. And it was a problem to some degree hit home, you know, the lie of like being undesirable or the fear of uh, relationships and rejection like those can all be true uh to find out that those aren't even my worst qualities <laughs> like like that is a pretty big jump and took a really took a lot of humbling honestly to sit down and be like wow okay i have more uh more to work on but i think that that was always true you know i, I think the crux of the enneagram is that we can simplify all our problems into one neurotic pattern and call it a day and say, well, at least that's my problem. And I have no other problems when the reality is like you and we, all of us have all of the problems. Like we have all of the neurotic cycles. Some are running the show. Some are helping the show be run. Um, but like Jack was saying, like, don't get stuck into the description. Don't get stuck into the, the type structures and the neurotic cycles, because they're all existing within us. Um, and they can be really helpful when you identify them. But if like me, you misidentify them, you can live your whole life working on the the thing that's not even behind the scenes uh, fully, you know? So I think that's why it's so important to learn the Enneagram as a system rather yeah. just than as my type and take it and run. And we didn't realize how real the title, not my type <laughs> would be until right now um but genuinely like none of these are really your type they're none of these are really your identity and and if you're and like that can be even more evident if you're wrong um but that's why it's so important learn it as a system learn it as uh, a pattern that leads into other patterns you know because these are all a part of your existence and if not if you don't see them, like they're a part of your friend's existence and your, your other relationships, like it can truly, truly change uh, if you see it as a bigger picture. Another thing I want to say uh, just about the general 
like a couple other reasons we realized like, it couldn't be a self-pressed two is that there was this problem, like I like I referenced earlier, like Chestnut's description of the self-pressed two shows an image of someone who is childlike and kind of innocent and willing to take from other people. Um, and I think something that I was realizing is you think about the structure of the rejection type in general, and whether that's two, eight or five, there's all this severance of the part of me that is needy and worthy of rejection, severing that part of me and then over-identifying with the part that's left. Mm. And this is something so essential to two is that what, what the two has done is severed their need for support and guidance from the paternal figure, whether that's literally your dad or just generally the, the issue of needing to be cheered on and supported and, and loved. Um, and then over-identified with this mothering, nurturing figure. That's the point is that like two, no matter, no matter what your instinct is, whether it's social self presence sexual, no matter what the dominant instinct is, the two still wants to be seen basically as a generous mother. Um, mm. And, and Chestnut's description of the self press too, just isn't real. Like that's not a real thing. Um, and I don't know her personally. I don't know any of that, but I have heard from other people that like um, some people on their podcast will say that they think she's a self press six and that could totally be true. What I will say is that like, I warn anyone who is reading Beatrice Chestnut's content, um, take it with about 80 grains of salt uh, because we were tricked. And the more I thought about it, it just doesn't make sense. It's not consistent with the theory of the Enneagram. And I think that's it. It's not consistent with the theory of the Enneagram. Like it's an additional thing that she made up to feel known, you know, and, and maybe that's not entirely true, but at the end of the day, it it doesn't make sense systematically. Like everything in the Enneagram fits as a system and the countertypes is literally saying the system is right except for when it's the way I'm writing it and then it's upside down. Like even her theory suggests that it's upside down. And I actually want to talk about that problem, um, the, just the inconsistency thing. Like I realized this in October, November. So long before we ever even had this re revelation, I was mapping out um, the way she describes countertype. So there's basically three instincts and she grouped that into three different groups saying that sevens, eights, and nines when they're dominant in the social are the countertype. And when twos, threes, and fours are dominant in self-pres, they're the countertype. And then she said ones, fives, and sixes are the countertype when they're dominant in the sexual instinct. There is, a, I don't know if you can see that in your head the way I can, um, but Basically, she said the heart, the heart um, center, twos, threes, and fours are all countertype if they're self-press dominant. But then the other two centers aren't that same way. You know what I'm saying? Like something important about the Enneagram is that it actually maps out symmetrically, like all of the other systems. You know what I'm saying? Like all the mm, other- All of the other theories. Descriptions are, are truly symmetrical in a way that like should be a hint to you that like this is actually thematic and that this does work. Mm. Um, and her theory of countertype tilts it slightly, one degree. So like, think about the fact that five and six are directly across from one. That's true. But one is not at the top of the Enneagram, you know? So I don't mm. know if that makes any difference to anyone, but like, it's not symmetrical and it bothered me to no end. And I couldn't figure it out why, like I just thought and thought and thought and just was frustrated. And then I realized it's because I was giving her more credit than she deserves. So that's where we're at. Um, if you want to do more research into her stuff, I challenge You've you. You've been a victim of Beatrice Chestnut. Call 188. <laughs> Can we also talk about the difference between the heart type and the head type? Like um, oh, yes. that, that was another big thing that we kind of came to um, that I didn't really understand the difference. And then it was a big factor in why I ended up being a seven. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just say what I thought um, when I was wrestling with this idea. I was like, what if Melina's a seven? I even texted her one night, like 
a week before that, I was like, what if you're seven? And she was like, I'm not. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I give her a really just, dumb reason. And you were, and he was like, that's not a good reason. I was like, well, lo yeah, and behold. I just, I just kept thinking about it. And I realized like, ultimately this is like, there's, there's a simplicity to the centers of intelligence, head, heart, and body. And there's something that is communicated in, in everyone based on the dominant center. And it's something you should watch for. But the issue ultimately is that the heart types want validation for an image they've crafted. That's a big thing. Two, threes, and fours all want validation for an image they've crafted. And that's what their neurotic cycle is always going to come back to. They're looking for some sort of connection or feeling that like someone is approving or um, saying, yes, this is real, whatever image I've presented. Mm. Um, and therefore, there's this, there's this concern with how I appear to others. Um, that two, threes, and fours all have. And the head types, five, six, and seven, are not struggling with that. Doesn't mean it's never like an issue to them at all, but it's not the core struggle of those neuroses. Um, and ultimately the head types are concerned with security. And Malia's biggest thing was just so seven-ish and so six-ish. That's a big thing is that I just kept watching as like there was this mm. ever going struggle between her sense of like feeling like she had her life like under wraps, like she could actually live and like handle it and that she was secure. Like, that's a big thing. I, I really mm. think it's a big thing for Malia. And she also has never presented as an image type to me, has never seen that way. And that was another reason I just kept wrestling with it. It's like, okay, so this, this one description that one person wrote really fits her, but none of these other things check out. But the point is, it's like when you're in that deep, it's sort of like, oh, well, I guess it sort of makes sense, whatever. There's also this difference between the heart types and the head types of like, the way that they exist in the world is the head types are kind of, I wouldn't even call it intellectual, but they're just like, head. No, I think there's like I think there's, stuff there's going on. There's a, there's a world that they're living inside of their head. And it's not just a presentation, but it's like an internal dialogue that they're always having for fives. It's this observing dialogue of like, what's ob objectively going on. For the six, it's maybe a dialogue of what's going wrong, what could go wrong, and for the seven, it's like what could go right. What could like, go right? <laughs> what what's all of these fun things we could think about? And I think for a long time that's why it was hard to wrestle with the fact that I could be a seven and you couldn't because we think so similarly. And we'll talk about that in a later episode. But um, but that's my existence, like that is how I'm constantly stimulating with the world, engaging with the world. It's like, let's think, let's not talk about ourselves at all. Let's just sit here and think about all of the things that we could like, all of the movies we could make and all of the, the books that we could write and like all of these like fun adventures we could go on and let's not do any of them or maybe we'll do two, you know, but it's like, let's, let's constantly be thinking about all of these different fun scenarios and avoid all of the problems by assuming that everything's going to go perfectly. Yeah. And I think that that was evident to me that that was the theme, you know, like, because I relate to a lot of that just in my own life, like, just like a, I see a lot of sevenishness in me there, but it's not the main issue, you know, like, that's not the, that's not the focus. And I think the heart types by contrast, like, I'll say what you said about intellectualism, like you, you tried to avoid using that word, but I think it actually makes sense. Like, I would mm -hmm. argue that the head types are inherently intellectual in a way doesn't mean they're necessarily smarter than other people, but it means that their primary concern is what do I think? What is true? What's mm. like, what there's this reaching in all of them for, for understanding and, and um, 
being able to conceptualize things. Like the, the head types want to map out their reality. That's a big thing is that five, sixes and sevens are all creating a map of what's going to happen, what has happened. Like they're creating a narrative, um, a narrative. That's a big thing I think is that the, the head types are concerned about, about a map of life and what experience will look like and how things will go and th- how things have gone. There's just a lot of connection there because it's mental, it's mental space. Um, but I would say by contrast, the heart types are, are really, really just ultimately concerned about how they're seen by people. And that even fours, like fours would argue, they're like, no, I don't care what people think of me. Like, no, they do actually. Um, it's just it's just all about the image that's crafted for the heart types. And it is not that way for the head types. And like- And it's actually, not that they never about- care what they what people think, but it's just like, that's not the prerogative. Yeah, that's not the- that's not the priority, I think, is what you're looking mm, for there. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually do want to talk about four for a second, though, because I, I just had this realization the other day, and I brought this up to you. But, like, even fours, like, fours are also inauthentic in a way. Like, two, threes, and fours are all creating a, a veneer that the world is going to see for who I am, in quotes, or whatever. You know, mm. like, even four is crafting an image of being uncrafted, you know? Like, there's this, there's this aspect of, like, I'm so raw and real and that's why I'm true to who I am. Right. But I'm realizing that like, even that is a veneer, like four would never want to admit that, you know, fours want to be seen as distinct, separate and unique and like true to who they are. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. not affected by other people. And like, I'm just me, re- resolutely me. But the point is the more you focus on building that image, you're actually, that's not even real you, you know? Like that's just the image you've created of you. And I think that is so clear to me as a two that that's a struggle in my life. Like that my, my ego wants to craft an image of being someone likable and sweet and friendly. And um, yeah, there's like other things I wanna be too, but, but it's a big issue to be, to be completely real. Like the, the image that I have in my head of who I am, it's not conscious, it's unconscious, but it, it does run the show when I'm not thinking about it. You know, like when I'm not conscious, like hopefully the ideal is like consciousness, being conscious of the fact that we do things in a damaging way. Um, and not resigning ourselves to it, but like also being willing to investigate it and, and consider the way out, you know, like it's not just live with it and leave it. Mm-hmm. I think another thing to mention is that we've, we've talked about what we thought instinctually I was, that it was self-pres too, meaning self-pres dominant second neurosis. However, in discovering that I was a seven, I started thinking about how that didn't line up with being a self-pressed seven. Like I might've fit Beatrice's <laughs> skewed description of the self-pressed two, but that didn't fit with a self-pressed seven. Like self-pressed sevens are often like, well, first of all, really good at taking care of themselves. And I am quite frankly, not. <laughs> um, and they're also like, um, very concerned with collect like going to going like mm, how do i how do i even talk about this well I guess. Ca- can i say something that i think would be helpful like i think yeah. it's just important to realize like the instinct is manifesting through neurosis so the the instinct is is about no matter what your core type is self-preservation is if when it's dominant the, the primary concern is making sure your physical needs are met mm. and so like the self-preservation too is learning to Instead of like Beatrice would describe it as like, get it met through like 
whatever. And just like, don't care about the image I present, even though the self-pres two totally does like a real self-pres two is actually just giving through that physical lens. That's the big mm. thing. Like it's the, I'm giving to you, I'm taking care of your physical body. Like the self-pres two is like the ultimate mother because it's kind of caring for your physical needs. You know, the image is like, I want to be caring. And what's the avenue I go through for that? It's, oh, okay. It's primarily through the actual physical world, because those right. are the things that I would want. You know, it's like, I yeah. would want these things and I can't ask for them. So I'll give them to you. So hopefully you'll give them back to me because like the two, yeah. no matter what, two is trying to use the golden rule to their advantage and it doesn't really work. Um, but seven, like self-press seven is still manifesting that, that need to like get their physical needs met. Um, but ultimately it's just that that's the kind of gluttony. Like it's a more physical gluttony. It's like, I want, I literally want more things. Whereas the social and sexual sevens aren't as concerned about literal physical things and, and gathering of things. And I think that's why I thought I was a two for so long is because of the relational aspect mixed with the self-preservation focus. Like I might be thinking like, Oh, when can I eat next? And that might drive my thought process sometimes. But I will always stay up way late and not eat if I'm with a bunch of friends. And so the self-pres too kind of wrap in Beatrice's world, like wraps that up in a nice package. Like, oh, you're focused on your needs, but if you're with people, like you'll give that up for people. And so when I started thinking about what it looked like to be a seven, it didn't make any sense. So I started, I started saying, and it was really funny. Cause I was like, well, at least I know my instinct stacking. <laughs> I know as soon um, as I brought this, like when I brought up this conversation of like, I think you're mistyped. She was like, my stacking can't change though. I'll be rattled. Like it, that's too much. And, um, but like, to be real, like, I'm glad we talked about this just because like the self-preservation instinct, no matter what your type is, brings some focus and care for the fact that like oh, I need to actually know how to handle myself and like actually mm. survive no matter what. And like, no offense, but Malia can't handle herself. Like the girl cannot cope some days. <laughs> just like, like self-preservation is about, it's actually about constructing. It's not only just like, make sure I'm hungry, like not hungry and I'm well-fed and I am not tired, whatever. It's also this, this awareness of like, do I have the skill set? and the practices and the structures mm. in my life to actually make my physical needs more important than my social or sexual needs, no matter what. Right. And that's just not true. Like for, for me, yeah. it's, yeah, for me, it's, it's, do I have the people, you know, it's like, it, it's a focus on the social aspect. It's a focus on the herd and the in crowd and the out crowd. And like this idea of who are my people and how can I spend as much time with them as possible? Like I will sacrifice my needs for them. Um, and that led me to this this thought. I can't, I I rushed into the apartment one day, and Jack was already there. And I said, "I think I I think I might be a social seven because there's no way that I can be a self pres seven. The only the only option is I'm a self pres two, and Beatrice is right, or I'm a social seven, and Beatrice is wrong. And <laughs> since we kind of geared Praise out that, <laughs> that Beatrice is incorrect, at least in terms of me." Um, then I had to be a social seven because um, that's the only way that it made sense. And, and, and it was really eye-opening to me to see how much the instincts really do change um, your neurotic pattern and your neurotic cycle and how you can tell what your type is. And I think that's the big thing is like recognize ultimately the, the neurosis is a response to instinct. And it's not like 
your instinct is a response to neurosis. You know, like the core mm. neurosis isn't, isn't necessarily being changed. It's just the core neurosis is learned as a way of meeting whatever the dominant need is. So that's the point is like, you can get a social seven, you can get a self-press seven, you can get a sexual seven. It doesn't matter. It's just that, that strategy of gluttony is what is learned to most effectively meet that need. Um, and to be completely honest, like Malia doesn't gather things. She gathers people. Um, yeah. yeah, that's just like, the, that's like the big thing. Like, doesn't mean she never gathers anything, but like, I just want to say for a second, like my roommate, you bets, if you're listening, I love you. Um, I miss you, but, um, he is a self-pressed seven and that man, ironically, he's a self-pressed seven, but he has this strategy when he's trying to type people. I'm not sure I would necessarily suggest it to everyone, but like, I think it's actually really interesting. Like he just compares them to other people he knows, you know? And so mm. ironically, I was just thinking about him. And of course you two are different people, but when we were trying to figure out like, is Malia self-pressed or social seven? Like, this is something worth considering. You look at self-pressed sevens I know, and like, they are more than willing to give up on whatever social things are going on. Yeah. Even if secondary if if there's a self-pres gluttony thing glimmering in like behind a tree you know it's like i'll go right you know and i think that is something so essential is like you bets i would come home to the apartment and you bets would have another gigantic package on the table and i would be like what is this and he'd be like oh i just bought it because i wanted it and then he would sell things like he's just he's just crazy and this business acumen is actually really real for self-pres types there's this focus on like not for all of them necessarily but there's this focus on on the value of things um, and what things are worth and how I can buy them and sell them and, and engage with the physical world because there's this awareness of money ultimately. Like everything goes back to money and self-press is aware of that because money mm. takes care of the needs that I have. And I want that kind of practical physical security, you know? And I definitely see that in myself. Like I will constantly go buy things just to try them on so I can return them and like use them and return them and get my money back. Or I'm very aware of the lacking or the existence of like, self-pres things but if there's an opportunity for a social event i'm there almost 100 percent of the time over you know going to sleep or over going to work or over going to all these things like i will lay down that that cross every single time just to hang out with those people um and and so that's when it kind of kind of came down to it it's like i'm seeing this gluttony aspect i'm seeing that Maybe I do give, I do help, but it's only really the t for people that I really want to, that I, that I want to collect, right? Um, and I will always lay down my own needs for the my own self-pres needs in order to fill my social needs, which all kind of culminated into this idea that like, oh, frick, I am <laughs> I'm a social seven and not a self-pres too. And they, in Beatrice's words, they look identical, like- you like, of course, I would think that I'm a self pressed too. Um, but alas, that is incorrect. And the problem is like, you also can read Beatrice's, Beatrice's description of the social seven. And it's just a two. Like that's also another avenue for everyone to mistype. It's genuinely mm. so two-ish. Like I was looking at some of it and just was thinking like, this is so unhelpful because of course there can be some similarities in real life between sevens and twos. Like that's, that's not questionable. Um, but what is questionable is like when you make a really specific description that says, this is how this person behaves every single time. It's like, uh, okay. Well, because it's not what? factoring in motivation. It's not factoring in like, yeah, what is the motivation like behind this this social aspect? You know, um, for the social seven, it's very they're very relational, 
But that doesn't mean that there are two. It doesn't mean that they're fearing this rejection. It's just this gluttonous of like, let me collect all the people. And for the self-pres too, it can look very seven-ish. And it's because it's not factoring in the motivation behind it. It's only factoring in the behavior. It being Beatrice. It being it, it always being Beatrice. <laughs> yeah. Well, Beatrice, sorry we ran you over with a bus like 12 times, but you kind of I feel like it. she like, ran me over with a bus. So <laughs> she truly did two years ago and left you in the dirt. I know. She really didn't. If you're listening, how rude. <laughs> Beatrice. Imagine Beatrice listening to this podcast. <laughs> I know. The girl gets a lot of hate though. Like I can't like it's not it's not her fault. I think she's it's not just personal. led astray. But like I, I actually was reading this facebook forum where all these people were like writing how much they hated beatrice chestnut and how they were tricked by her and i was like wow that's interesting <laughs> one of them beatrice... was like go back to hell beatrice and i was like oh Whoa. my gosh okay chill. firsthand as someone who is a victim of beatrice i have to say beatrice i forgive you uh i wish you all the best in the world <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your service but i politely decline everything you've ever talked about <laughs> wow okay if you're listening and you're interested go look up more about countertype it might be intriguing um but it's garbage i'll tell you that uh doesn't mean that there's no truth to it um but the descriptions when they're that elaborate and when there's that many oh could be confused for this type or this type or this type it's like you're just making a catch-all like you realize that mm. like that's these countertypes are just catch-alls when you're just saying oh you could be this type or this type it's just not it's not helpful at all and i honestly like the learning from other people as I did more of my research is the only reason I ever considered like, yeah, I actually need to seriously talk to Malia about this. Like, I don't think she's actually too. Um, so yeah, do your research. We're still learning. We will get other things wrong in future prep for other confessional episodes like this where yeah. we say ah, we were wrong. Um, so this was our confessional. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, it's been a good time of going through and, you know, unveiling my entire life and rethinking every situation over again <laughs> it's been so fun so thrilling for malia to reevaluate so her whole narrative but genuinely oh it gosh. has been really freeing um after the long bouts of anxiety over oh my gosh i've been wrong this whole time after that it was really great so highly um, recommend getting it right <laughs> the first time <laughs> something else i actually want to say before we let them go um something i think is really important is that malia was saying to me in this long like processing whatever of like what do we do about this um she was like i don't want to be like i don't want to invalidate all the things that i feel like i actually learned from quote being a two you know like mm -hmm. i don't want to suddenly like does that mean none of that mattered and i just will say this again like no one is just one type you have a core type but like you're not just a seven and nothing else is important for you to learn about you know like I think there are a lot of lessons that Malia learned from a two-ish perspective that were important. Um, so don't just like, even if you mistype, like to be completely honest, she could have gone her entire life as, as like thinking she was a two. And that doesn't mean that the Enneagram wasn't helpful, but I'm just saying it's a lot more helpful when you realize what your core type actually is. That's all. Right. Like, just consider it. But also like, if you get it wrong, like, like we did, like it's not the end of the world, you're not going to mm -hmm. die. And it doesn't mean the Enneagram won't be helpful for you. It just means I think your understanding and your experience of it and your ability to like actually learn from it and be transformed is limited in comparison to like knowing your true type. So that's that. It does get better. <laughs> I feel like I've better. overcome so something. <laughs> Wait, something I actually want to say, um, sh I want to say real quick, we did this other, we did a session, like a giveaway thing for on Instagram, whatever. And we got to talk with this wonderful young woman named Melanie 
Oh my gosh, Mel, love her. Mel, if you're listening, we still adore you. You're amazing. We do. Um, Shout out. But I actually think that conversation was really helpful for me in my processing. Like when I was trying to consider, do I bring up to Melina the fact that she's, I don't think she's a two, is that like, even though you and I can be so similar, there was a fundamental difference in the way you connected with Mel as a six. The, and I think that was headspace. Yeah. And that's th- that was headspace. Just like, of course, none of you who were listening were there, but I, the two of them were bouncing off each other and just like connecting and relating um, because the way they handle things is mental primarily. And that was evident to me is that like what they're connecting on is the issue of security. And for me, it's like, okay, that's interesting. But like, I don't, I can, I can see there's a difference here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look for themes, look for centers as well. Like the difference between an emotional landscape and a, and a mental landscape. Right. So thanks for sticking around. Thanks for tuning in. This was fun. It was also exhausting. Thank you for everyone who stuck with us, listened with us. Um, In summary, Malia's a seven. Beatrice is a liar. (laughs) The end. Uh, end. Exactly. So until now and next time, uh, check us out on Instagram at NotMyTypeEnneagram. And uh, look us up on Spotify. Hit that follow button. Look us up on Apple Podcasts. Um, also subscribe, leave us a review, five stars, preferable. Wow. There's so many demands you're making here. I know. I know. Well, now that I'm a seven, I can really just assert myself. (laughs) 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 Oh, but we, uh, we're we're thankful for you guys and for your, um, your little numbers. (laughs) Oh, wow. We only care about you for the stats. Okay. Bye guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Bye. Okay, are you okay. ready? No. <laughs> what, how long could we go with that? getting away with it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm getting away. You're no. saying, how could like, we go? How long, how long could we go without telling your type him? Ever again. And every time, every time and, like anyone in an interview or a conversation mentions your type, we just like cut that from the episode and people are like, that's We weird. leave the question in. So, <laughs> so it's really obvious. <laughs> They're like, so Malia, how do you feel about that? Anyway, going on to number four. uh...